Welcome to Bedtime Story Adventure 2019. One chapter a day up until Christmas. Boys, are you ready? Yeah. Chapter 6 Private Tour. Breakfast at Grand's went on until late morning. Jenny spent most of it playing cards with her middle sisters on the dining table while the adults drank tea and chatted about recent plumbing experiences. At half-past ten, her oldest sister, who was now eighteen and had positively had enough of getting up early on Sunday to see Granny, announced she was leaving. "'I'm meeting some friends in town,' Annabel said, standing in the kitchen doorway. "'Might not be back till dinner.' Jenny seized the chance to make a move. "'I need to meet a friend too,' she said. "'At the library. I'll walk with Annabel.' Her older sister scowled at her, clearly not wanting to wait for her kid sister to negotiate her release terms. But Gran spoke before any parents could get involved. "'Have fun, girls,' she said. "'And if I don't see you before, I'll see you bright and early on Christmas morning.' Annabel grunted and left the room. Jenny quickly got up, gave her Gran a hug, and then followed her sister out. The morning mist was still hanging around the tops of the trees. Annabel waited until they were a street away, then lit a thin, tatty-looking cigarette. "'Who are you meeting?' the older girl asked, in an uninterested kind of way. "'Just some of the dance group,' Jenny said. She didn't want to talk about what her and James were planning. Annabel just grunted. They set a decent pace, and were at the railway station in less than half an hour. It turned out that Annabel was going to meet some college friends for a Sunday roast in a pub near the Dome, so they walked a little further together before Jenny split off to the library. She had told James that she could be there by midday, and was forty-five minutes early. After checking the library café seats in case he was there already, she went up to the information point, where a tall librarian was sorting through returned books. "'Do you have any books about the pavilion?' she asked. Should be up in the local history section. He pointed a finger upwards to the far corner of the first floor. The local history section took up about a shelf and a half. It was mostly books on the history of the town, Sussex, and, strangely, a lot of books about local cheese. But there were two books on the pavilion. Jenny took them both back downstairs to the cafe seats, got a cup of tea, and started pouring through the musty-smelling pages of The Royal Pavilion in Pictures. The tea was half-finished and cold when James flopped down next to her, pulling off a damp woolly hat and putting it on the arm of the chair. Hi, he said. Find anything? Look at this, she said, not looking up and opening the history of the Royal Pavilion through its invoices. There's a tunnel between the pavilion and the dome. The Prince Regent used to use it. And look at these. She flipped back a few pages of Pavilion in Pictures to show a pair of lampshades with a familiar-looking dragon shape. What do you think? I think, James said, that the hooded man paid my house a visit last night. What? Jenny looked up from the books. Was the butter gone? Not exactly. The next five minutes were filled with James recounting how he'd found the terrible mess inside and how it had taken a lot of explaining to the letting agent and the prospective tenants. The agent woman said I was sabotaging her commission, James said. Seemed to think I'd made the mess on purpose. 
They barely looked around at all before leaving. And it took Mum and Dad ages to find suitable renters. They won't be happy. Why didn't you tell them it wasn't you? Jenny said. It was a break-in, after all. What would I have told them? Or the police? James shook his head. That I lost my keys to a raven called Merlina while sneaking around the dome, and that the bird sent a hooded man to my house. Well, that is the truth, Jenny said. But I see what you mean. It would sound like a lie to them. Was anything broken? When I first walked in, I thought the place was trashed. But after the agent and the couple left, I went round putting everything away. It took me hours. Nothing was broken, though. I think he must have been looking for something. What? Jenny asked. James opened his bag and took out the wooden box. The silver nib? Or perhaps they thought we had the treasure already. Either way, they didn't find it. Jenny's instinct was to tell an adult. If not the police, then there must be someone that could help them. But she couldn't think of anyone that would believe James's story. Come on, he said. Let's go and look inside the Royal Pavilion for stolen treasures. We can figure out how to handle the raven afterwards. Have a look at these first, Jenny said, still holding the books open. It'll help focus the search. For the next fifteen minutes, Jenny recounted what she'd found out about the Royal Pavilion. It was built two hundred years ago, but in a style that made it look much older. The Prince Regent, who had lived there, was a fan of Far Eastern decor, and the rooms were filled with lavish flower-patterned wallpapers and a lot of dragons. They were all over the place, in pictures, on chandeliers, vases, curtains, everywhere. Jenny made a list of where the main dragons were, and they walked out into the cold, misty air. One of the books had also included a cross-section diagram which showed a series of basement rooms. These underground floors of the pavilion were servant access and preparation areas for the kitchen, and there was a whole system of pulleys to move food and dishes between the floors. So the dome really was the old stables, James asked, and it's connected by a tunnel. I didn't see that on the diagram. Yes, Jenny said. It wasn't in the pictures, but it was in the text. There was no mention of that dragon door you saw, though. And the royal visit on Saturday is to commemorate the building of the pavilion? Don't you listen at school at all, Jenny said. I do listen, James said, just not to the boring stuff. The Duke and Duchess of Sussex, Jenny said. You know who they are, right? The Prince and Princess, James said, in a less than confident tone. Bingo. They are going to have a fancy dinner in the music room in the pavilion on Saturday night. But because the Princess is a patron of a children's charity, they're going to attend the school performance at the Dome beforehand. Fascinating, James said. Jenny managed to resist punching him, but only just. It was a short walk from Library Square to the Royal Pavilion. It turned out that the tickets were quite expensive. James had that covered, as his parents always left him with money when they went away, and he hardly ever spent any of it. But that wasn't the real problem. No children under 14 allowed in, unless they're accompanied by someone over 16 said a thin, leathery-faced woman in the ticket office. That's the rule. But can't we? James started. That's the rule, the woman repeated. Now there are other people in line. Please let me serve them. James looked like he was going to argue again, 
but Jenny squeezed his arm. I don't think she'll change her mind, she said. Come on, I've got another idea. Annabelle's in a pub near here. I'm sure she'll be happy to help. Happy was perhaps not the best word to describe Annabelle's demeanour when she walked back to the pavilion with the two children. Moody, grumpy or snarky were more fitting. But she did buy them the tickets. Even better, they all had their bus passes on them, so they got a local residence discount. You know, Annabelle said, most little sisters will be wanting tobacco or vape juice, not tickets to a boring museum. You do know it's the weekend. You do know I'm only twelve, Jenny said, and I thought you were meeting dancers, not James. Annabel said his name as if she had a bad taste in her mouth. He's not your boyfriend or something, is he? No, both children said at the same time. I'm not staying in there with you, Annabel said sulkily. Once we're inside, I'm out of here. Perfect, James said before he could stop himself. I mean thanks. Total geek, Annabel said in a slightly nicer voice than she'd used for his actual name. Jenny's sister was true to her word. Minutes later, James and Jenny were inside the pavilion alone, ready to search for the secret treasure. Let's just do a quick look at every room, then we can come back to the list of places and work out where to concentrate on, Jenny said. That's how my dad approaches car boot sales, at least. They slowly made their way down the long gallery, a wide and opulent hallway, and through grand reception rooms. It really was a strange place. A lot of the decoration was oriental, along with the usual royal flair for posh furniture, posh ornaments and pictures, and, well, everything. In the music room, they spotted the dragons on the wallpaper and vases. In the banqueting room, there was a huge Chinese dragon supporting a massive chandelier. Some of the rooms were more plain, but two of them were interesting. One had a writing desk behind a cordon, presumably used by the Prince Regent himself. On the desk was a cup with two quills in it. Another room, the private library, had a similar-style pattern wallpaper around the fireplace to the engraving on the silver nib. Back in the music room, which was Jenny's favourite, the children talked it over. I'd like to get a closer look at the writing desk and those quills, James said and the big dragon in the banqueting room was conspicuous too. Definitely, Jenny agreed. I have a feeling about the private library. But I also want to go back to the kitchen. Let's not forget the basement. It's not open all the time, though, only for private tours. But I didn't notice much else in the kitchen itself. James agreed that finding the basement should come first, even if it wasn't open. They wandered back through the long gallery. The kitchen was huge, but not very grand compared to the rest of the rooms. On a wall that they hadn't even noticed on the first look around was an old sign next to a small closed door. The sign said, Private Tours Only. James looked around and then gave the door handle a tentative pull. It was locked. I really want to see what's down there, he said. I wonder how you get to go on a tour. They gave the kitchen a more thorough examination. Jenny couldn't help but return to the door. It was next to a large oven or cooker of some kind. There were high shelves above the door. The shelves were like thick planks and held huge metal cooking pots and serving plates. James, come and look at this, she said. 
The metal brackets that were holding up the great shelves were painted black and ornately decorated. The ends of the brackets were forged into little faces. Faces with fishy frills. Squiduckens, Jenny said. Why would they be up there? Let's see, James said. He turned slowly to survey the room, then quickly pulled out the squiducken key from under his t-shirt and tried it in the lock. It worked. He turned the handle and opened the door. Keep an eye out, he said. I'm just going to have a quick look. Before Jenny could object, he slipped through the door and pulled it closed behind him. She wouldn't have objected, though. She wanted to know if the stolen treasure was down there. She wandered away so that she didn't attract any extra attention to the door, then kept a watchful eye on the other visitors. Nobody paid the little door any attention. A minute passed, and then another. Jenny kept glancing at the door, waiting for James to reappear. While she was looking at a very well-polished set of copper bowls on a worktop, two new people walked in. A small man in a crumpled suit, and a familiar-looking girl with long black hair. Jenny was trying to remember where she'd seen the girl before, when she realised they had walked right over to the door to the basement. The man was just pulling a key from his suit pocket when Jenny rushed over to catch them. "'Oh, I'm pleased to see you,' she said. "'I was wondering how I could get a tour of the basement. I've heard it's very interesting.' "'It is,' the small man said. "'It's my favourite part of the whole place.' The girl, who was a little taller than Jenny, and very neat indeed, gave a small cough. "'But you have to book private tours in advance,' the man said. "'And this one's full, I'm afraid.' "'Full,' Jenny said, looking around. "'It doesn't look very full. I'm sure there's room for one more.' "'Oh, uh, well, I... uh...' The girl gave the man a look of pity, then stared coldly at Jenny. Her clothes were neat, her hair was neat, and her face had neat, pretty little features. "'It is a private tour,' the neat girl said. "'Do you know what private means?' Jenny didn't know how to answer. She did know that there was something about the neat girl that she didn't like, and she was sure that the neat girl didn't like her. But in that moment of indecision, the small man tried his key in the lock, made a puzzled noise when he found it was already unlocked, and then pulled the door open to reveal James standing awkwardly still, holding a feather in his hand.